sort of never ends this uh, B or nine somebody taught me how to count to ten on one hand I'm gonna go over this later I'm completely still baffled she was on her way to getting a PhD in physics so it's got to be legit her trying to explain it to me was like that meme with the guy kind of going like one, two, three, four, five. And then she starts doing this complicated thing, dropping fingers to get six really fast. Anyway, this is B49, Eugene S. Robinson Showstopper. I'm your host, Eugene S. Robinson. We're going to talk about UFC on Fight Night, one of did whatever it was. We're going to talk about the sucker to it of Stephen A. Smith, guarantee. Going to go into Sohudo, Sejudo versus Dillashaw, but first, the words that sum it all up. Bob Riley, Stigmata, intro all of nothing from Calling of the Just, still available from Revelation Records in Hunger Beach, California, where they hit your car with a hammer. Listen. But I could not see so clear. I'm taking a real good look at you. I'm taking a real good look at your face. So being paid back in full, always nothing. All right. All right, my friend. Uh, yeah, that's for our German listeners. Let's get the courtesy of Roma Raider, who I'm going to see on the 29th. Him and his dad got this mic for us. You all can thank him. Thank him from the bottoms of your hearts. I got a microphone. I got to hold it in front of my mouth. It's in case I get attacked as well. You could use this today. Oh, there we go. Blue Snowball. Hey, you remember that little dog we used to have, the little pink one? The one we used to dye pink? Yeah, little, you know, the one who died, little snowballs. I stole that from Eric Bogosian. I don't know if he's still alive. Very funny guy. Anyway, um, first of all, Don Rickles would typically wait to the end of his performance to, to get all uh, maudlin uh, 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 on y'all. But uh, I, I'm going to do it right at the beginning and, and up and the tone. And I got to say, uh, of course, you know, we record the Care Don't Care preview on Sundays, even though it doesn't come out till Tuesdays. So I said it then. Those of you who listen to both will hear me say it on that. But I want to take a special time right now to fucking thank all she uh Steph started out by asking me how Ozzy Confidential was going. And I said, honest to God, I got two groups of people I give a shit about. 
and those are the uh, fight fans. Those who, and I, at this point now, you know, the showstop has gone so far afield. It just happens to be that I'm obsessed with fighting, but we have had shows where we talked not about fighting at all. I just think it tends to be a Rosetta Stone for a lot of other stuff that happens. But the constituencies I give a shit about are the music fans and the fight fans. Sometimes it was a one and the same people. But uh, I guarantee you, the reviews that are left, uh, I think whether you're listening on Himalaya or whether you listen on, on uh, iTunes or whatever, uh, the, rev- the, the thumbs up, the good ratings, the reviews, the tweets uh, of the Aussie Confidential Show, all that shit matters. And like I said, if you thought that the Twitter thing, you know, when they said 25% of my raise was tied into, uh, tied into, you know, running up your, with legitimate, you know, uh, Twitter followers and Instagram followers, and we hit that number. We didn't hit the number that I wanted to get to, which was 5,000, but apparently I'd forgotten which is why I guess they should have just screwed me. I had forgotten they were talking about aggregate across all the sites. So it wasn't like 5,000 for Instagram, 5,000 for, for uh, uh, Twitter, you know, and the f- Facebook page. It was aggregate. So y'all helped me get to that number, and you're doing the same thing for Aussie Confidential. So from my mouth to your fucking ears, thank you. I'm not one of those guys who has a hard time saying either thank you or I'm sorry. I end up saying sorry not as frequently as I say thank you, since I tend to be a fairly deliberative personality and I'm not saying shit that I don't mean and don't need said when I say it. Say something once, why say it again? So Ozzy Confidential, and those of you who are following me on Twitter know I would have started the show earlier, but I start listening. If you if you subscribe, to, if you get the Himalaya app, and it's Himalaya, it's spelled like the mountain, um, it, you get to hear the new Aussie Confidential a day early. So I listen to the new one just to make sure there's nothing to be uh, uh, upset about because the woman who's featured in it, apropos of nothing, she doesn't know when it's running. She emailed me and I can't, I don't get messengers. So I can't read my emails from my phone. And so I'm like, oh my God, she's going to try to pull it. She's going to put, but anyway, it's called my PhD in crack. So if you get out Himalaya, you can listen to it now, download it now, listen to it tomorrow. But it's about uh, a Josephine Knockoff who has uh, is is got her doctorate in philosophy. Actually, if you look up some of her books, uh, she's done uh, books, the, the Gay Science, you know, uh, with Alexander Neamas, uh, Nietzsche scholar, speaks three different languages, is, was a Swedish noble, a Swedish royal, won a beauty queen, it was a beauty queen. Did I mention the three languages? I think I did. Um, was a, a, a professor at a Tony East Coast University, and of course, a crack whore. Uh, some of you don't like the word whore, but it, crack sex worker doesn't have the same ring. Um, so the next uh, Ozzy Confidential is on her. Um, it was originally an hour-long interview, and uh, they decided, based on input from somebody advertises, don't say it, Eugene, don't say it, to cut it down to about 35 minutes. So, um, there are parts of the story that people go, how is it different? Well, Ozzy Confidential is different from the showstopper in that on Ozzy Confidential, I talk to other people. And two, I'm going to use uh, uh, the showstopper to talk about shit that I can't talk about on the podcast because it's, you know, connected to my formal job. Like specifically, um, one of the things about Josephine, we end on a hallmark high note on the podcast. But then, of course, 
in a fairly uh, troubling way. And I don't go into this in the podcast. I think we're probably saving it for her book. Uh, she discovered that a close family relative was molesting her children. And the way she discovered it, it was in full-blown horror movie style where uh, after a weekend away with this relative, the kids come back home and these kids are now like three and four. Not now, but when the, the incident happened or maybe two and three, something like that. And she like mothers everywhere goes to tuck in her kids um, and the bedclothes are wrapped around their leg and uh, she starts to kind of pull the bedclothes around their leg. And in that hypnagogic state, that state between, you know, uh, sleep and awakeness, the her oldest daughter starts to say, you know, uh, I can't talk about the relative without mentioning, say, please, whatever the relative's name is now, let's just say uncle, please, uncle, not now, not tonight, I don't want to. Um, and it was a chill that went up her spine as she starts talking to her daughter in, in, you know, in the hypnagogic state and finds out that this relative had indeed been molesting both her and her sister, that there were photos and in horror upon horror that the grandmother was enabling this shit. Um, that we don't cover on the podcast. Don't cover that. Uh, it went to court. Uh, uh, she dr dragged him into court. And as usual in events like this, because they don't want the kids to testify, the judges are like, well, we don't have enough credible evidence here. It's not enough. You just can't say his, his words. Right? Take the kids' words. And so that's where it went. I, I didn't end on that note, obviously, with the pot. That would have required a whole nother hour. Uh, but she is a, a, a fairly amazing study. And even at 35 minutes, I think you'll enjoy uh, the new Aussie Confidential, which uh, it'll be out for everybody else. On YouTube, RSS, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, everywhere else uh, on Monday. For those of you who get the Himalaya app, <clears throat> you can hear it tonight after this. But anyway, uh, let, let, I, I don't want to spend too much longer, but I just want to thank you guys. for. Uh, and it's an ongoing concern. It's once a week. And uh, unless you want me to come live with you, uh, uh, continuing to help out is a blackmail black blackmail thing I'm going to continue to hold. Sorry, uh, those who were just listening on the radio, I had to move my head to cover Joe Rockhead's penis because now I'm sitting in front of an Oxbow poster. Uh, anyway, let's 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 get on with it. Well, that is a show. I wanted to talk about that. Um, and then I also wanted to talk, <clears throat> you got to excuse, one of you's knowing what a fucking hypochondriac I am, said, oh, Eugene, let's not talk about throat cancer. And you know the way that works. It's like that kids in the hall stunt where the guy's sitting at a business meeting and he, you hear his internal dialogue and he's going, don't throw salt in your eyes. Don't throw salt in your eyes. Don't throw salt in your eyes. Don't throw salt. Throw salt in your eyes. Ah, right. So this is a thing where don't think about throat cancer. Don't think about throat cancer. Don't think about, ah, okay. Now I can think about nothing but throat cancer. So please humor me. I'm going to assume it's because of the rain, the mold, the fungus. I'm having an allergic reaction. I don't feel particularly sick. It doesn't feel like a cold. I did go out last night to watch a fight while I was at the fights. I went to fight to win at Santa Clara County Grounds, and I got ESPN uh, Plus on the phone. And I don't give a shit what anybody says. You know, uh, I know how the numbers that were pretty much um, the numbers were great apparently for. Uh, for subscriptions for them, like 565,000. The bald one tweeted out, 
I was one of those other two guys at the table because my phone died. Also did it. I have to say Nash disagrees with me. John Nash, I have to say, compared to fucking Fight Pass, which, you know, I was tentative about ESPN Plus because of my horrible experience with Fight Pass. This was beautiful, beautiful. I'm no corporate shill, none of that, you know. No, but And, and I, when I get to the Stephen A. S. Smith portion, you'll get to that. But this ESPN Plus thing was fucking beautiful. I think I may have to say goodbye to wine bars. Uh, I will have to say goodbye to wine bars and uh, entry fees. Uh, the four ninety nine a month. If they, I haven't figured out if they just do the fight night ones or whether you get a leg up on the pay per view. But in any case, watching it on my phone was effortless. It will allow me to watch by the juniper bushes behind my local Seven Eleven. You know, you can ask me where the hospital is, and I'll have to think. But I can give you every fucking 7-Eleven within a 25-mile radius of me right now. And I know which ones have the the, the, the carrot cake and which ones have the, the drinkable yogurt. And I know which one. I got it. I got it dialed in. I don't remember. I don't remember a lot. But I remember 7-Elevens. So anyway, uh, um, let's let's talk about Michael Goldberg, Gold, Goldberg for a second. Now... Michael Goldberg was kind of um, Goldie. Uh, um, we've called him everything that you could possibly call him. We've called him an idiot, a know-nothing. A, you know, and we've called him a lot of names. But you don't realize what you miss till it's gone. You know, you don't really realize. You, you know, and, and when he left, we realized... Uh, he was a fool, but you know, God damn it. He was our fool. He was our fool. You know, sometimes corporations have to make cosmetic changes to create the illusion to investors that they're making changes. The changes don't even make any fucking difference or any sense, but it allows you to switch up your narrative. Otherwise, every single book would be like the book that the husband was writing in The Shining. You switch words, you develop narrative themes. Corporations are no different. So Goldberg had to go to give a new face to it. Who knows what he was making? Maybe it was a financial incentive. Maybe we just want to set a tone, like playing a piano sonata, of something different happening when something was supposed to happen. And I had, you, you know, my nervousness connected to Karen Bryant, right? Like when Karen Bryant went over, you it kind of was like thinking, ah, ah, man, I wonder if they're going to take her from Fox to ESPN or and sure enough, and I, I love Karen Bryant, but not for somatic reasons, you know. I mean, she reminds me of relatives of mine. Uh, but I, I love when I see her at shows, she always gives a double take. Because she's, she's like, I think I should know who he is, but I don't know who he is. And about 10 years ago when this phenomenon started happening, and I, I used to dye my hair, I used to think she was thinking, is he a fighter? Who's, who is that guy? I've never spoken there, and we've had many of opportunities standing next to each other, walking down a hall, just the two of us, just the two of us. We can make it if we try. Sorry, the voice is shot. I couldn't sing that even if it was. And then riding up in the elevator, and I, I've never spoken to him, much like Dante when he saw Beatrice, you know, and was forever affected by it. Like with Karen Bryant, I was like, I've never spoken to her, and I can't start now. <laughs> So I was worried about her making it over to, and of course she went from Fox to ESPN. 
you know, you want to change things, don't want to change things enough. So you, the disorienting is perfect. She makes a jump over. <clears throat> and they get rid of Jimmy Smith. You know, I said unkind things. I, I feel for Jimmy Smith. <clears throat> but look, I have certain vendettas. Some I recognize as being ridiculous, right? Ridiculous, baseless. I need to get my shit in order. I got those vendettas, right? Then I got the vendettas that really carry some fucking weight. I don't know if you saw that the Red Hot Chili Pep Peppers piece I did for, for Ozzy, but, you know, all the fucking, our Red Hot Chili Peppers fans are, are swinging from their nuts, taking shots at me in the comments. That's all right. That's all right. I said it. I meant it. I'm here to represent it. They fucking suck. That's right. And you are, actually, the band is, and I, I continually say this, the band is very good. Very good musicians. Couple of things. Can't write a song to save their fucking life. And Anthony Kiedis is horrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible. I don't just mean as a singer and a performer or a lyricist or a writer, but as a human being. Anyway, it's a, a making a case. I don't remember. If you go to Ozzy.com, type in in the little search, um, you know, what do you call it? magnifying lens at the top, type in the red hot chili peppers, it'll come up. That's not my point. My point is you have to make changes to appear like you're doing something. So I understand that. I felt bad. The Jimmy Smith thing was a, it, one of my irrational vendettas because I look at me on the dirty couch and the smelly pajamas, even though the smelly pajamas, that's on me because I got a washing machine in the house. I, 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 there's no equivalency. I can't, it's not like Jimmy Smith is taking away my work. Nobody named the bald one is thinking about hiring me for anything. And I had a face-to-face -face meeting with the guy. Well, let me say, I had a face-to-face -face meeting with Jennifer Wank and I had to walk by the bald guy's office. It was great walking by his office and watching him there like, hello, hello. Yes, it is the bald one. And hey, bro, you're not on the fucking phone. I know you're not on the phone. Well, you think I'm going to come in and talk to you? I'm not going to come and talk to you so you're going to fake like you're on the phone or like you're reading. I'm reading. I'm reading. It was like a kid trying to, in acting class, trying to, okay, you're a businessman coming home from work. What? <laughs> come on, bro. Bro. But, so, irrational vendetta, Jimmy Smith. However, Stephen A. Smith, in my mind, is a sports equivalent of Whoopi Goldberg. He's the fucking sports equivalent of Whoopi Goldberg. Duh. Like all of them, like who was it who said, it was, I think it was, I can't even remember, maybe it was Sam Kinison. He goes, what, all of America doesn't want to hurt her feelings? She's not fucking funny. And he hit Elaine Boozler. Elaine Boozler might be a good writer, but as a comedian, stand-up comedian, she wasn't fucking funny. Don't go, oh, you say women. I didn't say anything about women. I said Elaine Boozler and Whoopi Goldberg. They weren't fucking funny. Whoopi didn't even start as a stand-up comedian. She started doing like improv and one-woman shows and stuff like that. Inevitably, that stuff ends up comedy because you hear that laugh and you get addicted and you can't stop. You can't dislodge your... I, I remember when I've done several spoken word tours and I said, do not, do not yield to the desire to place your lips on the asses of the audience. 
by which I mean you're not here for punchlines. They can get their punchlines other places. My spoken word thing, much like the Oxbow shows, you know, I, I care more about telling essential truths and less about you leaving and being able to tell your friends you had a good time. If I'm telling essential truths, I'm having a good time, even if it hurts your feelings. So Whoopi Goldberg, ah, we got, but what, all of America, nobody wants to hurt Stephen A. Smith's feelings? And this is a vendetta that's not a pointless vendetta. And that column up there would have my Jimmy Smith screen. Stephen A. Smith is a purposeful vendetta. I haven't even written about this. I haven't talked about it yet. I'm talking about it now. And I'm going to tell you where the hatred started. The hatred started for me very specifically with Spike Lee. Now, if you watch last week, if you watch V89 show, you know about the fist fight I almost got into with the four cats in the mission. And you le- you listen and you learned, you know why I did it. So I'm by West 4th. I'm in the village in New York. July 4th, 1990. How's that, how's that recall, Eugene? I was with my girlfriend at the time. A girl who had a tough life of fucking just shit. Father died, got HIV, died. Before that, the mother had abandoned her and her 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 two sisters and her brother. Her brother was in fucking prison. You know, they were living in some fucking apartment and uh um and uh I mean just uh, the family, her the mother's family were religious lunatics. They took him in for a period of time. Grandfather tried to rape. I mean, it was just horrible. This was my girlfriend at the time who said something sage to me. She goes, frankly, uh, if my life hadn't have been screwed up, I never would have met you because I discovered she was younger than I would have liked. I was like, ah, we shouldn't be, you know, I mean, I was younger than two. Anyway, I'm walking along and I go, oh shit, there's Spike Lee. Spike Lee was doing guerrilla marketing, putting posters up, handing out, selling TVs, you know, working his fucking next movie, which I think was school days at that point in time. I was like, oh, shit. I, I, I bring my California girlfriend to New York, you know, it was 89 and 90, you know, and this is what happened to celebrities. So I say, hey, Spike. And he turns around and he sees us together and he gives me this dead fish eye thing. I go, hey, man, big fan. Just stares at me. Doesn't say anything. Now I'm getting kind of like they say in catch in a clockwork orange. I'm getting a little raz res inside. Don't like it. If you were in prison, that shit could get you murdered. You acknowledge me, you fuck. I'm looking you in the eyes. He took issue with the woman I was dating. As played out in his movies, that piece of shit, Jungle Fever, which every white woman I knew at the time had dragged me to, so I ended up seeing it like three times. He's not a big fan of interracial relationships. It has uh, it has a resonance for him that reminds him of when his father left for a white woman. Not my problem. So I got a thing. Comes up again. Years later, I audition for a role in the movie he did about Don King. I was supposed to play George Foreman. I don't call on my pat. I just go in. 
don't get the role. Whatever. I did, lots of roles I've auditioned for. Don't get. Then I'm editor in chief. Now we're talking. We're jumping now. Another decade gone has gone by. Now it's like 2000. I'm editor in chief of a pretty high fucking flying men's fashion magazine in Los Angeles called Code. Say we're gonna put Spike Lee in. I go, okay. Buddy of mine, my creative director at the time, his wife was a uh, uh, a casting director, and it worked with Robbie Reed. Spike on a movie said the guy's a complete piece of shit. I didn't let that interfere. It was a job job we've chosen. That's from Godfather 2. And so I said, fuck, fine, we're gonna put Spike in the uh, Spike contacts me and says, Hey, you know what? Um, I want the cover. You know that, right? I'm like, um, we don't, that's our official policy. We don't the promise the covers because Jesus Christ could come back from the dead and be wearing a mohair suit. Say, so, man, we're going to put Jesus on the cover. Mohair suits are back as well as Jesus, apparently. That's what we're putting on the cover, apparently. And I say, well, we don't care what the policy is. We're, we want the cover. I go, oh, man, I'll tell you, you know, why does the dude direct some more movies that are any good? Fuck this guy. It's a big sacrifice. It's a men's fashion magazine. I put this fucking loser on the cover. No way. No. I mean, you know, finesse it. I tell my, my talent uh, talent editor, finesse it. You know, say something nice. Okay. Okay. We're, we're, it's really contingent on the photo shoot. We want to get the best photos. We're willing. We're considerate. So we don't shut the door. He goes, oh, oh, and there's one other thing. What's that? He goes, the only only uh, person I want to, he goes, who's doing the piece? He goes, oh, our, our editor-in-chief, uh, Eugene uh, S. Robinson, is doing the piece. He goes, mm -hmm. yeah, you know what? Um, there's only one person I want to write a piece on me, and that's Stephen A. Smith. <clears throat> so if he can't do it, then I, I'd have to rethink it. And I get angry at that point, and I go, you tell that. See, in L.A., the passive aggressiveness it rides on the back <clears throat> rise in the back of all these people with these multiple layers. So you tell that So, <clears throat> sorry, it never happened. He never appeared in the magazine. But now I got a guy who I never paid attention to, the cat with one eye, Scott. Stuart, Stuart Scott. I love that guy. That guy was a fucking prince among men. Nice to me. We did some ESPN work together in Tampa at the Super Bowl. Nice guy. Stephen A. Smith, I don't know from Adam, but I do know you judge a man by his friends. So when I see him doing basketball, doing all these other sports, it's like, God, was that a sop to the ESPN? Who put that shit into play? Does he like the sport enough? And he's like, man, oh, I'm so glad you brought the UFC. Can I? Can I? Because if it's that, if it's driven by enthusiasm, I'm cool with it. Dude knows nothing. Neither did Goldie necessarily, but there was a lovable charm to him. But this guy is just there. He's just there. He's just there. Is that enough? Just be there? Just hang out. Just there? I'm there. Is that enough? There? Fuck it. Fuck it. So I'm willing to set aside my biases, and I'm willing to look at it. The guy sucked, okay? I was watching at the fights, so I couldn't hear. But later today... Went right after I did this care don't care thing, I listened. ESPN two, put it on my phone, put the headphones on. You know, ideally, any sportscaster is supposed to be a hype man. 
a hype man for the fucking sport that he's commenting on. You know, now if you're driven by obsession like me, you know, it's it's a small, you know, we are a small family, right? Yeah, it's, it was small. It's not a lot of like millions of people like listen to Stephen A. Smith. I got it. But I'm driven by honest and God-given enthusiasm for, this, for the job at hand. Maybe he is. Maybe that's why he's there. But I, 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 it seems to me to be a professional entertainment calculate, calculus. And I have to tell you, if anybody at ESPN is listening, he is not a feature. He's a bug. Okay? If you're counting on him to attract a growth delta of people who are excited about the, who are on the verge of being excited about the sport, he is not doing it. He will not get us there. He will not get you there. I don't know what you're thinking, but whatever you're thinking, it's not good. I mean, John, I don't know where John Anik started, but Anik at this point, I'm, I'm completely digging on him. And it has nothing to do with the fact that on occasion he's been tweeting out my articles in Ozzy. He knows, he, he, rhythmically, he's on the money. He knows what he's talking about. He's done his research. He pays attention, and he seems fucking enthusiastic about it. That's it. That's all I need. I don't like Stephen A. Smith coming down like he's doing us a fucking favor, okay? Stick to basketball, something you're clearly excited about. I mean, I, you know, I just heard him raise his voice, and he's doing, like, this thing like he's amped, like he's excited. You know, we can tell a difference. I know the difference. Sincerity is everything. And once you got that fixed, you got it made, says a Hollywood adage. Yeah, well, it's not working. Give them, you know what they always say when they when they get behind. I don't want to shake a guy's hustle, but the guys on every fucking show, he's got to have them all. Is that he's got he's got to have all of them, right? The fuck out of here with that. Get the fuck out of here with that. Don't need to see him on every show. And if you're telling me that there's nobody, and I'm not even saying it's gotta be me. I mean, I like, I like, I, I tell you, I like Bisping more as a commentator than I do as a fighter. And I tell you, DC, I like him as a commentator. Maybe more as a fighter. And he's a friend to fucking knuckle up. You got guys out there who could probably do it. Are they known? Is the hope that I'm flipping through ESPN and I see Stephen A. Smith and there's the quality of transference. I go, he does the basketball thing well. I don't know what this other sport is, but if Stephen A. Smith says it's good, it must be good. How fucking stupid do you? Don't answer that. <laughs> don't answer that. Don't answer that. Because every time I ask that question, the answer disappoints me. Horribly. Anyway, I'm a, that, that was a, a longest preamble ever. Ever. I just had to get it off my chest because, you know, everybody's political. One of the benefits of age is that as your hopes and dreams turn to dust and your prospects winnow to zero, you just say whatever. You don't give a shit. The last truly free voice in America, what are they going to do? What, are they going to beat me up? What, are they not going to hire me? Well, you're not hiring me already. I got nothing to lose. Come on over, officer. Come on over, officer. Jeff Galuli, to quote Jeff Galuli. I got nothing to hide. Come on over, officer. 
So uh, there is it. But the fight itself, the fight itself, uh, ESPN, look, you know, did you notice something? Did you notice something? Something non-fight related. No, there's not, I know I'm giving you the conspiratorial look, but I'm not. Did you notice the different commercials? You should. You should notice that they were higher quality commercials. Uh, Range Rover, Land Rover. It's a high-end vehicle. Somebody's driving one of those. They're probably doing all right. Advertising on the show. People extending interest. The way the deal is structured, they've they've fundamentally the bald ones got three years to make things look nice. And you look at the schedule for 2019, and it's a nice fucking schedule. It should generate some money. And coming out of this fight, there are talks about future fights that will also generate money. I don't know whether the focus was on 2019, and that's why 2018 was slack. But they got three years. In three years' time, the talk, the thought, the, 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 the flow, the thrust will be renew or sell. Yeah, yeah. Oh, UG is a five-year deal. Yeah, it is a five-year deal. But in three years, they have to decide whether they're going to go that away or that away. In three years' time, not five years. So 2019 is fucking important. Two, it's just like the rounds. First round sets a fucking tone. You can kind of drift the second round, second year, third year sets a fucking tone. If you're charting it like this, we need to see this. And those of us who are listening to me now, it's not us that they're trying to build it on. It's the person who walks by you as you're watching this show or listening to it. What the fuck are you listening to? It's them. So, uh, but let's go go to the, the, the fight itself for no other reason than I want to. It's not like I'm a sports commentator like Stephen A. Smith who's so fucking good and shit, you know? So good he's got to do every single fucking sport in the world. Hey, well, I'm not that. I'm just a guy with a dirty couch and smelly pajamas. That's it. Actually, then they don't smell. I cleaned them. So judo, yeah, I called it for Sejudo. It pained me to do so. And actually, until Steph told me that I had picked Sejudo, I thought I lost because I picked Dillashaw. But Dillashaw, what I think now that I think about it, I remember my reasoning is it's a company guy, and you can't have you can't have that kind of uh what what is the word i'm looking for the um oh god it's right on the tip of my self-abnegation you can't have that kind of self-abnegation drive how fighters are going to approach their 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 professional uh um uh, uh, uh position i'm going to lose all this weight people say oh he lived to lose 10 pounds one of the commentators he lost way more than 10 pounds bro stop that Talking about Dillashaw, he he was sent on a mission, a mission that the Baldwin is more than happy, who's now going to grant him an immediate rematch, he says, was more than happy to have him make, to finish out that, that 125-pound division. I mean, it'll get easier over time if there are people who realize there's no, if I'm a 125-pound fighter, there's no future for me in this fucking sport. 
I'll, right now, cut the chase, go to one or somebody or, or a Bellator. I'm not gonna fuck around here. I don't feel like gaining weight. It's my natural weight. So Sejudo will ha- will will have to fight him again. Was the stoppage uh, early? It was a little early. A little early. Keep in mind, I called up for Sejudo, so I'm not. I got a dog in this hunt. I have no dog. It was a little early, and we've seen we've seen Dillashaw come back against uh, Garbrandt specifically, come back again from situations that looked um, as hopeless. Kevin, the ref, Kevin McDonald, or whoever it was. He, he kind of fucked that up, but you know what? Whatever, it doesn't matter. We we've kicked the can down the road a bit, and he he now goes into the rematch with that shit in his head. If he can pull it off, and now he's I don't know whether this is company drive or he's much like with Hitler that he's correctly anticipating the kind of shit that puts shit in seats. He's like, oh champ, champ. Well, you know what? I want to be the champ, champ, champ. I'm going to fucking take the belt at 125, the one I had, and I'm going to go all, I like that. That's what we call visionary thinking. That means that we are thinking about things that don't exist yet. And the Baldwin was all over that because it gets press, it draws heat, and it puts asses in seats, which is a rhyme I know. I'm just trying not to let it show. So we lost one viewer. <laughs> you don't like my dog girl? Ah, 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 that's okay. Let's assume that maybe you got hit by a car and that's why you, you dropped. So, um, so Sejudo Dilshaw, I picked Sejudo. Mostly because of my dudes in Arizona telling me what an absolute prick he is to train with. There's a certain focus and a certain selfishness that's an early stage predictor for success. He seems to have it. Can he hold it? I don't know. I don't suspect that he'll have a long, I don't suspect he'll have a mighty mouse-esque run. Because he fights like a wrestler. Sorry. You know how I would fight him? I would drag him down into the La Brea tar pits of ground. And, you know, the burst, 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 burst that comes from training and wrestling. Like when the Muay Thai guys would start taking jujitsu. Oh, it was terrible to train with them. You almost get your arm broken because the guys hurt you. Force projection. And at this fight to win thing last night, I go, ah, you know, it was weird. I didn't see any beautiful jujitsu. And I saw some black belts, some of the pro-level black belts, you know, where it's actually fucking deadly effective and flowy. I saw a lot of like people rechanneling tension into 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 you know slams, you know, a lot of forceful stuff. You know, and, and I don't necessarily I mean I'm not you know, I do big guy jujitsu, so I don't not have a problem with with muscle. Uh and, and I don't particularly like all the super flexible stuff. It's like, yeah, all right. All right, all right. Some guy rolls me up, grabs the inside of my geek pants and rolls me back. If I was more flex, yeah, I could have my fucking feet over my head and just swivel and do the hips and the De La Heave. And I'm just talking about stuff that's within its lane is beautiful and has a flow that's special, like like where you surf, where it's just, you know, it's not that choppy, short board, tri-fin stuff, but just long board. 
gentle sloping down one of those huge maverick-like waves. Didn't see any of that. But I think the key is to get that guy in the La Brea Tarpons. I could be wrong. And supposedly what was supposed to happen was that um, uh, that he would get drawn into a stand-up fight with Dillashaw and Dillashaw's most skilled stuff would knock him the fuck out. That was some people's imagining, you know, that he would take his Dominic Cruz-esque moving around and bamboozle him, and that's great. That's like that great scene from Indiana Jones where the guy's coming with the sword and he's doing like that and Jones kicks him in the balls. Sejudo effectively kicked him in the balls. Was it a stop too soon? Yeah. Was he going to recover from that? I'd say there was a 20% chance he did. Is that enough for me to feel bad about the stoppage? Nope. I called it for Sejudo. Now, if Sejudo had lost, I mean, all, it's all about, like I said on, on the care, don't care thing, it's all about the bounceability of DJ. DJ is not, DJ is gone from the UFC in the same way that Too Short retires from hip hop. I'm retiring. I'm retiring, man. I'm fucking retiring. And then these are 50 cent. If if Kanye sells more records than me, I'll retire. Well, he's still around, still making records. Then retire. It's just something to say. DJ's gone. You know, look, this is a this is a win-win. You make a few million dollars at one, you beat a few of these cats over there, you build up, and then you come back, you know, the prodigal son, returning champ. You take that shit. Let the dude, you've been 12 years on top of this division. Let's see if we can generate some heat. Let's take care of some housekeeping. We'll bring you back into. Now, that's what they did to Sonny Liston. If you think Sonny Liston was really beat by Muhammad Ali, sorry, boxing fans, I'm going to have to tell you you're wrong. How do I know? You read Nick Tosh's book, The Devil uh, and Sonny Liston? Read that book. More importantly, the photographer who was there that night, Baldwin, Howard Baldwin, talked to him for a long time about it. And I said, do you think it was a work? And he told me, absolutely not. And that's For the rest of you, that would seem to argue in favor of believing that Muhammad Ali really knocked out Sonny Liston. Not what happened, man. Liston was mobbed up. I could tell. I know when I, I've got the sixth sense when I'm being fucking given a bill of goods. He was mobbed up. They had to get this guy. They understood right away what they had with Muhammad Ali, Cassius Clay back then. The brash, loud talking. He was a, a McNuggets. It's going to focus all kinds of. I'm so pretty. I'm so pretty. You can't touch me. I float like a butterfly. I sting like a bee. I'm so pretty. You can't touch me. Okay. Never going to get past this guy. Can't deplete this guy. This is a, this is a guy who's going to work our growth deltas. We're going to get. So Liston goes, cool. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take a shot. He had done worse for his friends. Takes a shot. You see him look up from the canvas like, okay, is that good? And what he was supposed to get was a was a, a rematch that allowed him to get his belt back. They just want to build a little press for this kid because this kid cashes. Became pretty clear that Liston, the heroin user, allegedly, the mob enforcer, not even allegedly, was not the guy they wanted to have the highest belt in the land. He starts saying, when am I going to get my shot? When am I going to get my shot? When am I going to... Remember that night... Uh, the Canino fight, you came down to my dressing room and you told me, Charlie, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not your night. Not my night. 
I could have been somebody. I could have I, I, I could have been a, 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 somebody instead of a bum on a one-way train to Balukaville, Charlie. You were my brother. You should have watched out for me just a little bit. That was my Brando by way of De Niro, by way of Eugene S. Robinson. And so Liston gets pretty sure that he's not getting back. He's like, you know, well, you know what? Maybe I have to sell my story to Life magazine. Maybe that's how I get back, huh? Maybe, and then found dead in a hotel room. That's how that shit works. So I don't think DJ's finished at, by any stretch of the imagination. I think we'll see him again, um, but it, it's delayed. It is delayed. And if you think that you won't see DJ fight TJ, you're wrong about that. That is also delayed. The rematch right now is the thing on the table. I don't see anybody who deserves a shot before. And clearly, clearly the the bald one, uh, the bald one is more excited about that than uh than uh than uh than anything else. So that that'll be why why it's happened. But okay, um I picked Sujudo to win. He won. I was happy with that. Yeah, again, there were reasons why, yeah, my my heart was with Dillashaw, but I picked Sujudo and I was right. Alan Crowder versus Greg Hardy. Let me first say Greg Hardy's a piece of shit. Can I say that? I don't give a fuck if you don't like that. I don't like guys who beat on their women. How about that? I'm like the Russell Crowe character in L.A. Confidential, which is where I got the title for Ozzy Confidential from. I don't fucking like him. You know, to have a stance that strong, you got to be able to fucking cover your ass. Never, never, never. Any woman who says otherwise, show me the pro- Never, never hit anybody in anger. Not a woman. No. That I dated? No. Fuck that guy. They've been coddling that guy. They've been coddling that guy. Like, who's that, that other guy they coddled? Uh, CM Punk. And uh, and CM Punk was game. I think displayed a lot more heart than, than that. And then they, uh, Northbutt. What? Northbutt. No, Northbutt. You had another guy they coddled. And finally, you could see with a guy who's got a little bit of juice Fucking Hardy sucks, right? I hate to see guys in there fighting who are not as good as me. And once he gets into deep water, man, we're not deep. Is the second round deep water? The second round is deep water, right? And so he's like, I know what that's like to not have the cardio in the second round after the adrenaline dump. And you're like, man, I just want to put my hands at my sides. Get a, give me, can I get 30 seconds? No. No, no, you cannot. You cannot have 30 seconds. And so Crowder says, fuck it. This is a fight. I don't give a fuck who this guy is. As far as I know, we're not on a gridiron, so who gives a shit? And there's a scramble, dude's that He goes, well, you know, uh, it was a miscommunication. Hardy's now, it was, you know, got disqualified for kneeing a downed opponent. Lack of experience. That's not, yeah, that's what everybody's saying. And the Baldwin is still clearly excited about the guy because of the, the frisson of controversy that he brings to it, making him a must, anything that gets to the anything that pierces the awareness of the casual is valuable to the Baldwin. And therefore, Hardy is valuable. In the age of Me Too, Hardy is valuable. Because he, he creates talk and he creates chatter. Chatter and talk, good things. Somehow valuable. Yeah. The guy's got no skill set. As far as I'm concerned, I don't want to watch a guy like that. What's he doing there? 
is he made anybody a fan? Is that that you look at that fight and it's like, well, because Crowder, you wasted a perfectly good tomato can. Crowder, you won't hear from him again. I got to find another Crowder. But he did his job at least amazingly well, which is to yank that curtain back and take a real good look at that face. And somebody said, amazingly, there he's got Greg Hardy has got got all these fucking guys supporting him on in the comments. You know what I say? Fuck you. Because there's no other, you're either a football fan or you're a fan of domestic violence, and there's no other reason in my mind. What has a guy done in the cage that's noteworthy, that's interesting? And listen, let me tell you something about this fucking Gillette thing. Anybody who feels butthurt about the Gillette thing, go fuck yourself. You have one job as a man and one job only to shoulder your burden without complaint. Suddenly you're going to become articulate. Those lessons in the 60s, all that snowflake shit you guys talk about. When, oh, it's all right to cry. Even bigger. And you're, we're, your feelings are valuable too. We should hear, shut your mouths. You don't like it? Well, it's, it's a problem. You've been running things for 20,000 years, and now suddenly there's a problem because of a fucking commercial that says, hey, you know, your son probably learns about fucking how to be an asshole from the assholes that raise him. Don't be an asshole. Pretty simple. Oh, you, you don't talk me to me. That's why I'm being an asshole. This is a war on men and men's rights. And men, 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 men. Oh, really? Oh, you, you just had a good life. Oh, you have a divorce. Yeah, you, you know what? What happened when I went through my divorce? Refused to see a lawyer. Well, I said, you're going to get a lawyer? I go, why would I do that? She goes, you're going to trust me? Why wouldn't I trust you? She goes, well, you know, after some of my interests, my interests are, not, are being unmarried from you. And you're a lawyer. Are you suggesting I have reasons not to trust you? To get what I want, to achieve this objective, I would give you whatever you want because I don't want to fight. So think about what you want. You can have it all. I mean, slaves couldn't pay for their freedom? I can. And, and in the meeting, the mediator is looking at me like, you do realize what you're signing away here. My ex-wife out-earned me all but three years. So yeah, don't, don't care. You understand? Give me the paper. Let me sign. Don't want to fight. Don't want to fight with you. Well, you haven't had everybody take anything you want. You guys, you guys are sensitive. All that sensitive boy hip hop and the sensitive boy, the, the pop rock, pop metal, you know, talking about my feel. I told the guys in jujitsu today, I don't want to have heart to hearts with anybody, anybody, anybody. Uh, yeah, I'm willing to put up with it from, say, family members. I'm willing to put up with it from, you know, uh, you know, lovers. I'm willing to put women. Yes, fine. I grew up with tons of women, understand the value of communication. But when a dude says to me, hey, Eugene, man, I, can I, can I talk? I don't mind talking. If you have a fucking problem, I'm glad to listen to you. I might be of some service. Men don't talk to each other nearly enough. I'm okay. You talk to me, I'll talk to you. But if somehow in our relationship, in our friendship, there is some, like one guy who's a trainer, who's like, man, how come uh, since I don't train jujitsu as much, I don't really hear from you. So, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Are we having a heart to heart now? Because unless you have breast and a vagina, 
I'm not really interested. So these guys getting upset about the Gillette commercial, fuck off with all that. Just fuck off with all that. Give them their mo fucking moment. You think it's, it's it, it, oh, they got they got half the money and all the pussy. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know what? Stop. Let them have their fucking moment. What the fuck? Jesus, I'm going to get killed in here. I know this is really storming, and I got a 60-foot tree in the front yard, which means it could easily kill me where I sit. Anyway, look, yeah, I'm, I'm getting distracted. So, uh, so, uh, so, Greg Hardy, if you have, I don't know where the genuine fan base comes from because there's nothing to happen in the cage. So, fuck him. I spent way too much time talking about uh, Greg or Gillespie versus Yancey Medeiros. I called that one on the money. I had some inside intel. You ignored me. Well, Steph did it at least anyway. Gregor is a fucking monster, and I got this from good inside training partners. Man, dude. He's got no stop. He's one of those cats where it's not just like kind of in the same uh, uh, cloth as as as, as Half. You know, there's no distinguishing between when they talk when Half after attacked that guy at the IBJJF and his fan and Henzo came to his defense and said, "No, we're old school. We're old school. None of that shit. Now go and get cops involved. I've got a problem with you. I'll come to you. I'll punch you in your fucking face." We can fight it out right there. Well, that's kind of what happened. They punch you in the face when you look away. That's a different story. But you just got to know. If a guy's got a fucking problem with you, you know, keep your eyes on him. Gregor comes from that same cloth. He fought. He just, it wasn't even a wrestle mugging. It was a savage beating of Yancey. Yancey, and it wasn't like, it wasn't like he's especially strong or agile or fast or technically fucking he was just everything they say why can chimps beat people well they talk about how chimps muscles fire i mean a chimp can't fix your watch humans can fix your watch my fucking fucked up finger from jujitsu humans can fix your watch chimps can't do that chimps can rip off your car door because when all their mus their muscles fire apparently the the brain that fires a muscle it happens all at once so when I'm working, you know, even if I'm involved in a swarm attack, I'm just the muscles that are necessary for the arm. It's not everything. It's like the 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 fucking electrical impulses to their muscles all fire at the same time, all explode at the same time. Ga ba ba bing. And that's what Gregor is like against Yancey. Should should have picked the guy's a killer. Now whether or not he passes a, a drug test, I don't. Oh, I didn't say anything. I didn't say that. Everybody's got to pass drug test now. So I have to assume if they're fighting, they've passed drug test. You know. Oh, what does Sorrell want from me? Yeah, he's, he's telling me to go fuck myself. How do you like that? Anyway, Joseph Benavides versus Dustin Ortiz. Dustin Ortiz is kind of a known associate. He's got uh, Darren, Bone Crusher, Uya Noyoma. Used to be a, a friend, associate of mine couple other cats from the Bay Area in his corner. Couldn't pick him against Benavides, and I was right. It was, I don't think, I think the decision was wrong. Unanimous decision, I do not agree. It was a 29, 28, 29, 28, 29, 20. I probably agree with that, but I would have given him at least one of those rounds. But he almost, but not quite. It, not enough to, uh, Paige Van Sant, I picked against uh, Rachel Ostovich. It's a fucking submission round two. It was cool. 
like everything I said that I I already talked about it on the care don't care. I, but I'm gonna I'm rushing now because I want uh, Glover to share against Carl Robeson. That I call that. Uh, but I want to talk. The last fight I want to talk about is Cerrone versus uh, uh, Alex uh, Hernandez, and that's it. I, I did like a I did like Calderwood against Lipsky. Uh, Menfield I like. I think he's I, he was not one of my cares, but I'll watch. Uh, he's a care now, and I didn't watch Sa- uh, Sandhagen. I didn't get there in time. But I do want to talk about Cerrone and Alexander Hernandez. And I have to say, I've been hot and cold on Cerrone for no other reason than, for no other reason. And maybe at some time I heard something, some scuttlebutt and something kind of irked me and I didn't like, who knows, not baseless, baseless kind of problems with dude. But, um, But he, he reminds me of latter day, Liddell like like we were talking on the care don't care about him maybe being four years away from from maybe healthily retiring and he's not moving the same but what's happened and what didn't happen in Liddell's case is that I can improve here for those of you just listening on the radio I'm my hand up and down like a like an LED reader I can improve technique cardio strength the speed Okay, so if I have a decline in speed, can I compensate with that with an increase in technique? His fight IQ is really fucking high. And his dismantling of this kid just filled my old ass heart with a, like Meister Eckhart talked about abilitio, bolitio and abilitio, the flowing out of divine essence. I had this this thing as an old guy where I was just like, Motherfucker, because I, you know, I heard this kid Hernandez talk, and he's da 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 da, and I, I, and I had the, I had the boiling hatred for him that only old men get for young men. <laughs> you know, you don't understand. You don't understand. You're just trying to win the fight. Old guys are trying to defeat mortality. You know, the tr- the place you're trying to get to, we are already. <laughs> you know. It's not just a fight for us, you know. It 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 is it is like the like the chimps uh, and the muscles firing. We're firing 360 60 degrees of firing because it affects everything. He's now a father, and he said the moment changed for me in the fight right before where he beat Platinum Mike Perry. When I was walking to the cage and I see my son there, it's not just a fight at that point, man. You know, I usually don't have any patience for symbolism at all, but this was the kind of symbolism that I completely understood because it motivates men to action. Suddenly seeing your future generation stretch before you and realize that, you know, beyond this fight, beyond this cage, beyond this moment, there are tomorrows that you will be called to account for. And this fucking disrespectful fucking prick, your time will come, but your time is not now. He started backing that her, uh, uh, Alexander the Great, backing him up on his heels, and he just, you know, he took all that fucking Hamarsha and just just smeared it across the face of that young man's future. Deal with it. He didn't come out for when they raised the hands. Yeah, how many? What, 10, 10 and 0? Now 10 and 1. So always, you don't judge, you don't judge a, you don't judge a person in my mind by their successes. 
those would be things that anybody would be glad to get. Not me. There's a guy, if you read the Red Hot Chili Peppers, there's a guy who kind of passively, aggressively supports my thing. This guy has been after me for years. But like I say, when I see bad parents, you know what I don't do? I don't fight with two-year-olds. I don't fight with three-year-olds. You've been dicking around here in the Bay Area doing nothing with your music. Nothing. And I've been killing myself. Going to Japan, going to Europe, going to all U.S. Records after records. Thousands of dollars. So you're going to leave some passive-aggressive comment on my, my Red Hot Chili Bay because thinking it's going to irk me? You maxed out on my irk, and you're irking of me, my friend. You might get to the time, but not now. I want to see you take your fucking failures and turn them into something successful. I mean, I've been friends with guys who, again, chart this stuff, whose stars have peaked higher. But you can't lose if you don't fucking quit. And I'm at it. I told myself for a long time, I will continue doing music. Somebody said, well, how long? And I thought for a bit and I go, until I've outlasted my enemies. And that's where Donald Cerrone is. He's in it. To win it, that's less of an issue. Less of an issue than what? Less of an issue than until he exhausts his enemies. I don't have to be faster than the bear. Bear being a corollary for mortality. I just got to be faster and better than you. And that's easy. And what does he do immediately post facto? He picks one of the smartest bet. I mean, again, the guy, this is this is no wrong move, Cerrone. Calls out McNuggets, who, if you've been checking my tweets about the Irish sports star who's having problems. Maybe it's him. I don't know. I don't know. Some Irish sports star raped a friend of his baby's mama, girlfriend, wife. Who knows? I don't know. There are lots of Irish sports stars, right? Guy needs a distraction. Needs a reason to get out of fucking Dublin. Whoever, what Irish sports star we're talking about, don't know. This is how you win. This is how, even if Cerrone loses against McNuggets, He's done He's done the corporation a service. He's done them a solid, making McNugget seem somehow v- valid and valuable again, and also giving him a focus, a chastened, desperate maybe McNuggets a focus if he's looking at something back home. He Cerrone wins if he wins and wins if he loses. McNuggets wins if he wins and he wins if he loses. This is a fight where there's a hundred percent upside. If there's a downside with with Cerrone against McNuggets, tell me what it is because I don't hear it. I don't see it. Don't know what it is. So, that's the fight. What the hell was it? Oh man, I'm about to die. It was uh, UFC on Fight Night. What was a number attached to it? One forty three. And and keep in mind. If this had been in Fox toward the end of the year, we would have felt lukewarm. But I'm tentatively, like we talk, we the corollary is UFC, UFC, and drugs. I'm this is this is not stepped on. This is this is puto, man. I'm feeling pretty good. If, if 2019 shapes up, it might attract the, the casuals. 
I don't give a fuck about them, really. I know the organization does, but this was an evening of solid fights. There was not a lot of slack, slackitude. Not a lot of slackitude. And even the usually a sign that this is like, if you read the results first, unanimous decision, that's a sign of slackitude. No, 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 no. The Ortiz, Benavides, right? That was, there was a dude who retired. Sorry, just, I really don't care. Sorry, bro. You know, lots of guys, he's a big roster. Other guys could retire, wouldn't wouldn't really care. I mean, what happened is you had a, an awakening, an awakening anti-mist moment of your place in space and acted on it. That I wish more people would do it. In any case, this is V49 of the Eugene S. Robinson show stomper. We're done. The show is done. In 30 minutes, I think the rest of the world. Uh, uh, yeah, we didn't get the question and answer thing. Uh, you know, we're, we're not going to do it today. Clearly. Uh, I went on too long thanking you all use all for your, your help with the Aussie confidential. And I think in 30 minutes, the new one will be up. I'm going to, I'm going to blast the link out uh, through Twitter, uh, through, uh, Instagram, through the Facebook page. And I did beat the Daba DB. There's another way you need me to get it to you. You let me know. But you should listen to it. I think you will dig it. Tuesday night, uh, there'll be If I Did It and If the Shoes Fit with me, uh, uh, Lexi Ald, and Kid Nate. Uh, Kid Nate. And, uh, and then next, uh, and then Tuesday day, uh, Steph will go live with the John Nash and I helmed uh, uh, Care Don't Care preview, which, because it's not a fight next weekend has more to do with uh, – there is an Oxbow show January 29th. If you're in the Bay Area, get your tickets now. If you go to tickets or take the quiz, I'll put you on the list. But we talk about a lot of interesting – we talk about the fight that just happened, it's UFC Fight Night 143. We talk about uh, stuff in the future, and I do a lot of rubbing your face in the gloat because Steph, I, I, she was the winningest pick at Bloody Elbow, person who, of the, the writers there, and I just – I. Right, six and zero. Oh, just, just, I, I'm clearly the new number one in terms of my fight picks. If I'm paying attention, there's no one better in the game. Anyway, it's the end of the show. I'm your host, Eugene S. Robinson. We'll see you. Uh, sorry, we'll see you soon. Until then, look what you made me do. Uh!